where I believe in God and where I, where I strive to understand the story of Jesus, I totally see it as something that could happen. I totally see it as what our society is. People are always out to crucify. People are always out for the next man, never watching themselves, never worried about themselves, always what the other person's doing. Little mini crucifixions. And even worse, I mean, Jesus died a horrific death, but I mean, think of all the other unheard of crucifies, crucifications that go on. Rapes and murders and school shootings. There's no love in this world. So, I think that's the biggest issue. We need to return to love. We need to forgive. We need to drop anger and resentment. We have to have love for our fellow man. Do unto others as you would like done unto you. And um, tell it how it is. These fucking mental patients walking around in society. I mean, I don't know how much longer we can just go, Oh, well, they're so misunderstood. They're a danger to themselves and they're a dangerous society. And only the truth will set you free. And there, there comes a point in time in which these cries need to go heard and they need to go and they need to go answered. And I mean, that's all in the world, in my view, that's all in the world of tax. I mean, we pay tax to maintain our society, infrastructure, um, you know, the managing of society. That's why we pay taxes. Maybe there's something in that that we have to look more into. Instead of just throwing sanctions on guns and halting business and doing this and doing that and making the decent person suffer. Because, you know, it's like guns kill people. People don't kill people. No logical, rational person going around doing that. It's, it's usually some deranged lunatic, an evil spirit. So maybe we have to find a way to get through to them. And maybe the burden is somewhat on us as a society. But restricting people's freedoms while letting the truly guilty go free don't really make much sense. We need to return to love and we need to find a way to ease that societal tension or be more effective in our dealings. Wagwan, howdy folks, what's happening? It's your old chuckle buddy, Kazoo, Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent June 1st in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey, folks. How you doing? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, 
Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs, forever. Yeah. Um, we talk about current events, pop culture, entertainment, you know, my performing endeavors, the whole wackadoo, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, the whole enchilada. You can't go wrong. The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know it truly is. Do a little good deed for the day, you know? Pass on the love. The uh, phony, baloney, content creation, media, personality, sycophant, uh, love. That is. So I want to talk about today um, a few things, but let's start off with um, something that's been in the news as of late. Uvalde, Texas. The shooting up of an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. So this is an article from wikipedia.org. Make sure to donate. <laughs> little levity in these times. Um, this is an article on the matter. This is from wikipedia.org. Rob Elementary School Shooting. On May 24th, 2022, 18-year-old, pause, I'm not going to repeat the uh, shooter's name. Um, A lot of times in um, media and in this kind of wet blanket, phony baloney, mumbo jumbo, kind of pussified, toothless world, loveless world, really, a world of no love, in these fucking buttfuck times. You hear a lot of things like, um, well, let's just walk that back. And there's a lot of things to unpack. And this is a great learning opportunity. And let me educate you on the situation. All this fucking mumbo jumbo, phony baloney, fake fucking intellectual prowess and dickification. Like, there's a lot of it going on, folks. I mean, you have to admit. But one thing I do take to heart is... um, in times of mass shootings and just random acts of violence on society, one thing that really does spur these fucking deranged lunatics on is to see their name in lights. Like, a lot of these people have mental health issues, they're deranged, they're suffering. God bless them. And, you know... It's hard to judge because, you know, they're, they're going through the same pains that we all go through, even though they are, you know, a couple canaries short of a coal mine, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, they're, they're fucking basket cases, they're nuts. So they go and they do all these heinous crimes, shoot up a school, drive a truck into a crowd. And when the media repeats these people's names, 
it gives them something to aspire to. You know, like in my case, for example, Jonathan Ramtran, actor, stand-up comedian, podcaster, I look to great performers and great content creators as inspiration. And I look within myself and think, hey, what can I bring out of me that's comparable to some of the things that inspire me? I want to be an actor. I want to be a comedian. I want to be a podcaster. Well, these mental deluded dickheads, these deranged fucking ignoramuses, well, they see somebody shoot up a school and they go, hey, look, their name's in the newspaper. So-and-so shot and killed 35 people. I'm going to be just like them. So it gives them motivation. So one thing I do agree with in this pussified, synthetized, sterilized, toothless world that we live in, you know. A moment of education, a learning moment that I do agree with is you really shouldn't, we really shouldn't repeat the names of the shooters in these articles it it takes the glorification down a notch. These people are really hell-bent and destructive and self-centered to the core, blinded by their own pain. And to take the glorification of a mass shooting out of their mind, we need to instill that, hey, like, we remove the shooter's name. It is not a glorif- It's not a glory thing. It's... Like, you're going to die anonymous, and you're going to die with a very ugly thing on your conscience, you know? So, we need to take away the glory. So, repeating the shooter's name, not a good idea. You hear a lot of these educators say that a lot, so I agree with that. So that's my little side tangent, because um, as I read this article here, on Wikipedia, they mention the shooter's name. So I'm not going to mention this dickhead's name. And it's not to judge and say I don't understand and to put myself in a lofty position. But this dickhead um, doesn't need any glory for what he did. He was in pain. He was suffering. Did what he did. um, Made a horrible choice. And That's his to live with and to be judged upon. And we don't need to carry his name forward to inspire other generations of fucktards, right? So, Rob Elementary School shooting. On May 24th, 2002, 18-year-old fatally shot 19 students and two teachers and wounded 17 other people at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, United States. Earlier in the day, he shot his grandmother in the forehead at home, severely wounding her. Outside the school, he fired shots for approximately five minutes before entering unobstructed with an AR-15-style rifle through a side entrance door. He then locked himself in a classroom, killed 19 students and two teachers, and remained there for around one hour before a member of the United States Border Patrol Tactical Unit, abbreviated B-O-R-T-A-C, the United States Border Patrol Tactical Unit, B-O-R-T-A-C, fatally shot him. This was the third deadliest shooting 
school shooting in the United States after the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007 and the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012, and the deadliest in Texas history. Law enforcement officials have been criticized for their actions in response to the shooting, and their conduct is being reviewed in separate investigations by the Texas Ranger Division and the United States Department of Justice. After initially praising first responders to the shooting, Texas Governor Greg Abbott called for an investigation into the lack of action by incident commanders. Police officers waited 78 minutes on site before breaching the classroom to engage the shooter. Police also cordoned, cordoned, cordoned off the school grounds, resulting in violent conflicts between police and civilians who were attempting to enter the school to rescue children. Pause. So yeah, like, um, you know, they're not entering the building. They cord, cordoned, corridored off sections, barricaded off sections, and they're not entering the building. And to the point in which you got civilians, parents, onlookers being like, what the hell, Wagwan, what's up? And arguing and getting in fights with the, the police for not responding, for just standing around like a fucking mannequin, like a dummy, you know? Afterwards, local state officials gave inaccurate reports of the timeline of police actions and overstated and overstated police actions. The Texas Department of Public Safety acknowledged that it was an error for law enforcement to delay an assault on the shooter position in the student-filled classroom, attributing this to the Uvalde Consol- Consolidated Independent School District's police chief's assessment of the situation as one with a barricaded subject instead of an active shooter. Pause. So, yeah, I guess they, um, they, they restrained themselves or they, they slowed themselves to, uh, go after the shooter due to the assessment of the situation being a barricaded subject instead of an active shooter. Though there are reports that children were screaming, calling for 911, they could obviously hear shots going on. I mean, you, you have an active shooter. I mean, the man's, the, the shooter's on a rampage. If he's not taken out, he proved it already that he was willing to kill. He was going to obviously kill more. I mean, what was, you know, it's, kind of a lapse in logic and I guess that's what the ongoing discussion is. Following the shooting, which took place only 10 days after the 2022 Buffalo shooting at a supermarket, a wider discussion ensued about American gun culture and violence gridlock in politics, a law enforcement's failure to halt the attack. Some have advocated for a renewal of assault weapon weapons federal ban. Others criticize politicians for their perceived role in continuing to enable mass shootings. Republicans have responded by resisting the implementation of gun control measures and and called for increasing security measures in schools, such as arming students. Whoa. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, 
morbid laugh in the midst of this discussion. Wouldn't that be something? We're calling to arm the students. You know, yeah, I wish, yeah, you know, I wish they would have issued me an assault rifle in fucking grade nine. You know, Mr. Fucking Dildo Ding Dong would have had another thing coming. He wanted to sweat my ass down over fucking, you didn't do your homework. You're talking too much in class. You don't, shut the fuck up. All right. Why don't you go to the staff room and drop to your knees and suck the principal's dick right here in front of everybody. (laughs) You know, shove a fucking gun in your fucking math teacher's face. Force him to blow himself in front of the class. Uh, Suffice to say it was probably a good thing. They didn't give me or issue me a gun in uh, junior high. But anyways, I made a mistake. Um, They're not advocating to uh, arm students. Um, It was called for increasing security measures in schools, such as arming teachers. They also expressed concerns about the politicization of the shooting. Some Republican senators, including Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, expressed an openness for a bipartisan agreement on gun reform, such as incentivizing states to pass red flag laws and expanding background checks for gun purchasers. Yes, so in the wake of this Uvalde shooting that claimed the lives of, um, uh, I believe, 19 students and two teachers. 19 students and two teachers wounding several others. In the wake of this Uvalde shooting at the Robb Elementary School, um, you know, many other issues are springing. Not just the devastation that, as sad as it is, you know, aside from the loss, there's other discussions going on about gun reform and gun control. And they're using this situation to politicize different um, ideologies and governmental parties and bipartisan governments and blah, 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 the whole wackadoo. Typical political fuckery, buggery. I'd like to pair that article that I just read to y'all about uh, with another situation that happened here at home where I hail out of Toronto, Canada. So this is in connection in recent times with this shooting at the Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. So this is an article from globalnews.ca. Man shot and killed by police near Toronto school was carrying pellet gun, SIU says. The Special Investigations Unit says the man who was fatally shot by police near a Toronto school Thursday was actually carrying a pellet gun. You know, the type that they use for, you know, shooting fucking soda pop bottles and Huck Finn, Huckleberry Finn type shit, you know? Pardon me, folks. The Special Investigations Unit says the man was fatally shot by police near a Toronto school Thursday was actually carrying a pellet gun, not a rifle, as previous reports indicated. 
The SIU is an independent agency that investigates the conduct of Ontario police officers in serious incidents, including those resulting in death. Toronto police said that shortly before 1 p.m. Thursday, a man was reported to be carrying a firearm in the area of Marlborough Crescent and Oxhorn Road, which is north of Lawrence Avenue East and East Avenue. Police arrived at the scene and two officers shot at the man, the SIU said. The 27-year-old man was later pronounced dead at the scene. Investigators said that there were reports of someone walking around with a rifle, but the SIU said Friday morning he was carrying a BB gun, then later clarified he was carrying a pellet gun. The SIU called it a firearm, which they said is defined as a barreled weapon from which any shot, bullet, or other projectile can be discharged and that it is capable of causing serious bodily injury or death to a person. That's their definition of a firearm. The incident occurred near William G. Davis Jr. Public School, an elementary school in Scarborough, which forced the school to go under lockdown. It comes as 19 students and two adults were shot and killed in a mass shooting inside of a school in Uvalde, Texas. Earlier this week, it was one of the worst school shootings in the United States history. Due to the proximity to a school, I certainly understand the trauma and how traumatic this must have been for staff, students, parents, given the recent events that have happened in Toronto, sorry, Given the recent events that have happened in the United States, Toronto Police Chief told reporters Thursday afternoon. Yes. So in the same week um, of the Uvalde shooting in Texas, a Toronto man was shot dead by police for brandishing a pellet gun, a pellet rifle in a near a school in Scarborough, which is like a suburb of Toronto a borough of Toronto. So um, this 27-year-old man was shot dead by police for brandishing what appeared to be an assault weapon, a rifle, you know. And this is in the wake of Uvalde, Texas. Man is shot dead. What I want to sum up from that is there are many surrounding issues during that... uh, during this situation, people are talking like, um, you know, the gun reform, the politicization of it all, parties lobbying and jockeying for attention on the backs of dead children, you know. Then on the flip side here in Canada, you know, you see the hysteria. The SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, is still probing, anal probing into the incident. But the man was shot dead. I don't really know what happened. The man was obviously mentally deranged. I mean, what are you doing walking around with uh, any sort of, anything that bears a weapon? What are you doing walking around, skulking around with any type of weapon outside of a elementary school? You're asking for trouble, especially in the wake of, of what happened in Texas. But the investigation unit is um, looking into it for whatever that's worth. Um, 
Um, what I hear a lot of people talking about is also um, police respond time. It's, it's always coming down on the backs of the police, which is true. We have to hold them to account, though they do have a very hard job. The Uvalde situation, it's like, they're too slow to react. They were too slow to react. They had their orders. I mean, they waited, what? What what, what, would they say? Uh, It was somewhere, it was over an hour. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 75 minutes or something. It was over an hour the police took to um, confront the shooter. They called it a barricaded situation versus an active shooting, which is, come on. Common sense would tell you that, no, there was a major slow-to-action response. I mean, once the, once, the shooter become, once the shooter becomes active, it remains active. There ain't no breaks. There ain't no timeout. Timeout from killing kids. We're on a coffee break. Dude, fucking pre-shooters don't get fucking coffee breaks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? What was he on his 15-minute break? Did you punch out for your fucking break? We're going to take that off your fucking jail sentence. Or we're going to add it to your jail sentence, rather. You know, like, what the fuck? Like, fucking <laughs> mass shooter coffee break, you know? That's where that's how fucking pussified the world's getting, where it's like they're actually cutting these dildos coffee breaks, you know? Be easy on him. Give him a little break. But, um... The flip side of that is it's tough talk. It's a lot of tough talk to say, well, they acted too slow and diddly dumb. It's like you're dealing with a person with an assault weapon that's gone crazy. Would you be the first one to kick through a door that there's a active shooter on the other side of without all the full facts? I mean, it's the tragedy has already begun. Do we make it worse with a false sense of bravado by just charging in head first, headstrong, not fully aware of the situation? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in a situation like that. Was over an hour too long? Is it just a false sense of bravado? Because, I mean, the tragedy is a tragedy, but would it not get exponentially worse to have police officers shot and killed because they went in guns a-blazing illogically? I've never been in a gunfight. I don't know. Like, uh, all right. All right, buddy, I'm coming in. Don't shoot. All right, I'm, I'm reaching for the doorknob. Don't shoot. Like... How do you breach a fucking door with an active shooter on the other side? I don't know how. But over an hour does seem a bit long. And that BS fucking, um, that BS uh, classification of barricaded, a barricaded situation versus an active shooting, that's bullshit. I mean, there ain't no coffee breaks for a mass shooter, buddy. Once that trigger flies, game on, right? The asshole was in fucking full effect. So, 
you know, there's questions of police response time, police accountability in regards to the Toronto situation with the SIU investigating this 27-year-old man who was shot and killed for brandishing a pellet rifle in the midst, in the wake of Uvalde, Texas. Very illogical, disconnected thing. They want to put on gun reform. They want to jockey their political um, intentions. What I hear are a lot of things. But one thing that comes to mind for me is um, what I heard on many other podcasts, you know, like um, Uncle Joey, what's happening, cocksuckers, you bad motherfuckers? That's the joint with your Uncle Joey, who's better than you, you know, tip-top magoo, like a doctor, like a soldier. I heard Uncle Joey, my Uncle Joey, Uncle Joey's joint. I heard... uh, Hey, what's going on? It's a spiritual battle, folks. Hi, my name's Jesse Lee Peterson on the Jesse Lee Peterson Show. It's a spiritual battle, folks. Heard all around the world by everybody and their mama. Thank you, folks. You know? Yeah. You know, Jesse Lee Peterson? You know, I heard Jesse Lee Peterson. I heard um, Uncle Joey, Joey Diaz, a comedian, podcaster. Some of these thoughts that come to mind for me is, yeah. There's a lack of love in this world. You know, we, you can, like, hey, I don't agree. On one hand, what does the average civilian need an assault rifle for? I mean, hey, little government interference is my motto. The less government, the better. Um, people should be free to have their guns and as long as it's registered and, you know, trained. But then again, on the other hand, what does a person need an assault weapon for, an AR-15? But even then, that's besides the point. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. For all these assault weapons that people... Um, scream and cry about when is there ever an incident where it's like oh my god 30 people were shot dead by an by a discharge of a assault weapon or like a a guns cache randomly went off killing 30 people 45 like it's no guns don't kill people people kill people there's a lack of love in society there's mental health issues and mental problems that we're not fully addressing properly in society. At the end of the day, we have to bear our own cross. You know, it's like, ain't nothing the government gonna do for you to change your inner life. Ain't nothing anyone can do to change your inner life. You know, you gotta find that within yourself and, you know, come to that real life, that real peace. It's a search. And, you know, for greater or worse, we're all afflicted by the same tribulations of life. It ain't a cakewalk for anyone, you know? I mean, let's say you're born poor. 
okay, that comes with its own pressure. Struggling to survive, building yourself up, you know. But there's also the saying, when you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose, you know. And there's strength and beauty and revelation in the journey. And there's so much inner growth. And, you know, a lot of it is just superficial suffering. I mean, what do we really need? You got food, you got shelter, you have, you know, basic entertainment. You got it all. What else do you need? Do you really need the Ferrari, the mansion, the this, the that? It's all just prideful boasting, really. I mean, a humble life really is good enough. I see that for myself. And then you look at a person born rich. Well, that comes with its own trappings. I mean, let's say you're the firstborn son of a well-renowned doctor. Well, that's a heavy mantle to take up. So what, you now have to rise to be someone in your father's eyes. And a lot of times, these high successful parents are really messed up people themselves. They don't do the greatest job parenting. They just throw the kid to a nanny, throw money at them, send them away to boarding school, fund their European excursions. Go see Europe. I don't love you. (laughs) You know, get out of my house, right? Those kids grow up to be fucking mental patients. It has its own sets of troubles because you can't buy. Money can't buy me happiness, but I'm happiest when I'm having a ball and scrapping a ball and bobbing a ball. Wake up in the morning, gotta pay your rent, gotta pay your bills. Money can't buy you happiness, you know? It comes with its own set of problems. So, the main thing that I'm seeing and that you don't hear very much, and, you know, like I mentioned, I've heard it from a few podcasters and I see it for myself. We're living in a world with no love. People are walking around messed up, deranged, acting all kinds of wonky tonky, boy. And one thing I love about my Christian belief system, um, Believe or don't believe in Jesus, but it's a beautiful story and it makes sense and it's totally something that you could see happen even if you don't believe in it. I have a faith in God. I'm working on my belief in Jesus, though I do love the story of Jesus, you know, and that's basically the hallmark being the Easter, the Easter season. His ride into uh, the Jerusalem. You know, he's on donkey back. <laughs> you know, he's riding around on an ass, you know. Ass for gas. He's riding around on a donkey. Jesus comes clip-clopping. <laughs> comes clip-clopping into fucking Jerusalem. The Pharisees, the high Jewish priests, they hate Jesus. Who do you claim to be? King of the Jews? Why does everybody listen to Jesus? Why does everybody love Jesus? And they bring Jesus up 
they bring Jesus up on phony charges. They lie on him. They, 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 um, they, they claim that um, he he calls himself the King of the Jews. He's a heretic. They're saying all this stuff to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate's like, "Yo, Wagwan, whatever, let it go." By the way, it's like the holiday season too, right? Let's just release him. Who cares? No, they want blood. They want blood. Then they lie on Jesus. He's too good, so now they have to lie on him. Oh, he's a traitor to Caesar. And if anyone goes along with Jesus, they're a traitor to Caesar as well. So, you know, Pontius Pilate, watching out over his own ass, goes, okay, you people are mental patients. You want to kill him? Kill him. And, and he releases Jesus to them. He's beat. He's whipped, he's flogged, he's mocked, they give him a crown of thorns, you know. They make him carry a cross. They crucify him, tack his ass up to a cross to bleed out to death for three hours. Stab him in the gut with a fucking spear. Give him a sip of sour wine. He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is done. (laughs) Gives up the ghost. Only to rise on the Sunday, I believe. That's the story of Jesus. And basically what I'm saying is like, um, this is the world we live in where it's like, people are so hateful and into each other's business busy bodies you could like where i believe in god and where i where i strive to understand the story of jesus i totally see it as something that could happen i totally see it as what our society is people are always out to crucify people are always out for the next man never watching themselves never worried about themselves Always what the other person's doing. Little mini crucifixions. And even worse. I mean, Jesus died a horrific death, but I mean, think of all the other unheard of crucifies, crucifications that go on. Rapes and murders and school shootings. There's no love in this world. So... I think that's the biggest issue. We need to return to love. We need to forgive. We need to drop anger and resentment. We have to have love for our fellow man. Do unto others as you would like done unto you. And um, tell it how it is. These fucking mental patients walking around in society. I mean, I don't know how much longer we can just go, Oh, well, they're so misunderstood. They're a danger to themselves and they're a dangerous society. And only the truth will set you free. And there, there comes a point in time in which these cries need to go heard and they need to go and they need to go answered. And I mean, that's all in the world, in my view, that's all in the world of tax. I mean, we pay tax to maintain our society infrastructure um you know uh 
the managing of society. That's why we pay taxes. Maybe there's something in that that we have to look more into. Instead of just throwing sanctions on guns and halting business and doing this and doing that and making the decent person suffer. Because, you know, like guns kill people. People don't kill people. No logical, rational person going around doing that. It's, It's usually some deranged lunatic, an evil spirit. So maybe we have to find a way to get through to them. And maybe the burden is somewhat on us as a society. But restricting people's freedoms while letting the truly guilty go free don't really make much sense. We need to return to love and we need to find a way to ease that societal tension or be more effective in our dealings instead of just throwing money at places to siphon. You know, a lot of times money go to community outreach places and really all it is is a way to funnel money, create bogus jobs for bleeding hearts, but the people actually affected the street people, the people with mental issues, the the people suffering, they're not really getting a good turn at it, good crack at it, right? So, it's just a lot of political glad-handing and money siphoning a lot of the times, right? And like my man Yoda, like my man Yoda, check out the shirt, like my man Yoda says, you know? Fear, anger, aggression. These are tenements of the dark side, you know? Always what can't be done with you. Mm, ooh, school shooting you want to do. Mm, angry at your parents you must be. Mm, not looking within you are. Mm. Right? Fear, anger, aggression. As my man Yoda would say. That's what these dick, dickhead doorknobs are suffering from, you know? And we got to find a way to wake them up. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, ain't none of my business what the next man do. But if somebody is suffering that much, and you see him, man. I walk down the street in Toronto, man. Violent, wacko, weirdo, drug addict, mental patient, fucktards. Abound. (laughs) Got a dollar? (laughs) Got a smoke? Banging, smacking, walking around, banging things, kicking things, begging for change, passed out on the street, harassing employees out of Tim Hortons. I mean, it ain't my business what the next man do, but if these fucked up, fucking deranged lunatics, and they abound, they're everywhere, are running rampant throughout society... Maybe we got to find a more compassionate way to get to these fucking idiots, you know? Like, a little bit more compassion for these retards. we got to find a way. And sometimes honesty is the best way. You know? It's just like, hey, look. You know, you don't have a disease. You're not mentally ill. You're not this. You're not that. You're a drug user. You're an alcoholic. You have anger issues. You need to address them. Let's help you find a way. And you're not a victim. Don't feel sorry for you in the fucking least. 
Everyone's got problems. Let's find a way to help you resolve yours. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I mean, like, what do you think about all this stuff? You know? Fear, anger, aggression. These are tenements of the dark side. Always what can't be done with you. Mm-hmm. Can I get a Big Mac supersize with a Diet Coke I must have? Mm-hmm. You know? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Certainly was a mouthful. Holy moly. But these are like, you know, the times of the times and what we must think about and discuss in order to, you know, kind of graduate from this fucking lily liver wet blanket type of society that we have. You know what I mean? I ain't exactly the most, you know, stable person, but, you know, I know a few things. Mind my own business, do for myself, keep trying one day at a time, you know, easy does it, you know, like I'm, you know, if I know this, why can't everybody know this, you know? Coffee break balls, don't mind me balls. Though, in the uh, wake of these, you know, tragedies and these tough times, man, what I'm doing is I'm trying to, you know, stay connected to my faith. I believe in God. I'm working on my understanding of Jesus, you know, and, you know, enjoying the bounty of his creation, I mean, one argument for the belief in God is the design argument. That's a dildo, doorknob, um, declassified um, philosophical argument. The design argument. Everything bears witness of a design. Like, you know, when you look at a watch, you know, you open up a watch and, oh, look, there's the cogs and the smogs and the roll and the libbity-doo. You know, oh, and, you know, the, the the stupid thing goes this way counterclockwise and the springs and the fidgets and the widgets and the pistons, they'd be firing and doing their thing. The clock bears witness of being designed, much like the world. Everything bears witness of design. The way your eye focuses the iris, the eyelashes, the bags under your eyes, you know. Oh, he was drunk. That look at look at the bags under his eyes. Fucking washed out drunk. You know, it bears a witness of design. So like um I've been kind of feeling that spirituality, trying to feel it, you know. The other morning I woke up to the birds chirping. <laughs> Like they're doing little weird chirp, chirping songs, right? I'm like, what are these fucking idiots doing? What are they doing? Like, you ever think about that? I was just like, what are they doing? Like, are they talking? They're just singing away. Singing away. I'll try to post, um, maybe I'll splice in some of this audio 
to go with this section. I've recorded some audio this past um, morning, or not past morning, this past weekend. I, I just couldn't sleep, and I woke up, and, well, I couldn't sleep because the damn birds were chirping. It's so funny because they call and respond, right? It's really cute, and it's, it's funny because it's like, like you know like inflection of tone when people talk like hey how you doing buddy oh hey pal you know like friends crossing at an intersection or something hey how you doing buddy oh good to see you people walking down the street it's kind of the same with them birds boy because like i you know one bird's like (whistles) then you hear like another bird off in a different direction (whistles) (laughs) they're like calling at each other right and, you know, it's kind of funny. And I'm like, why are they doing that? I mean, I really don't know. Right? But one kind of sweet little um, idea is um, I, I Googled it. Like, why do birds chirp in the morning? And um, whether this is true or not, Google told me that, um, you know, well, in the morning, it's dark less predators, and the visibility to hunt is limited. So seeing as the visibility for them to hunt, you know, bird seeds, and they're hunting bird seeds. I guess they eat bugs and stuff too, right? Worms. So, you know, it's the visibility to hunt is low, and the, and the, the visibility by predators is low. So it's an opportunity time for them to sing, you know, to flex some of their vocal cords. They're just practicing, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good opportunity for them to sing. <laughs> They're fucking hilarious. They're taking their opportunity to sing because it's dark out and they can't be seen and there's nothing else to do. They can't go hunting yet. They can't see anything. So they might as well sing. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Pretty cute. You know. And, you know, as the saying goes, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Like Sly and the Family Stone would say, His eye is on the sparrow. Because I know he watches me. Change me, Lord, change me. His eyes on the sparrow. So, you know, I love sparrows. Them little doorknobs are always hopping around, screeching and squeaking. (laughs) Flying around my window and stuff, I like them. I even like pigeons. So I've been doing that, seeking um, comfort and refuge in the design of my God, you know, his beautiful bounty of world he's created, watching the birds sing. It rained today, too. It was coming down in buckets. It's always nice. The beautiful sound. Wash away the sins of this filthy planet. Wash away the crabs of my 
tormented pubis. You know, a nice rain washes away a lot. Been a mother effing heat wave too. Yesterday at Toronto, here in Toronto, Canada, hit a landmark high. It was the hottest May 31st recorded in a coon's age or whatever the saying is, you know. So yeah, it was one hell of a hot May 31st, This just yesterday, you know. So here we are now in a fresh month, June, June 1st, 2022. The nice rain came and cooled things down. And I've been playing some bass. I've been playing my bass guitar, as I have spoke on many occasions. I am an bass guitar player, bass enthusiast, bass guitar player. Um, and I've been finding the time to play and just kind of reconnect with that. It's been a joy. It's been fun. It's been funky. So I've been doing that. And I've been enjoying myself. And, um, you know, these are the things that I, that I, that I personally do to keep myself Grounded, chilled out. I don't even like to say grounded. That's a little highfalutin. These are the things I like to do to keep me chill and engaged and just an everyday person. You know what I mean? You know, we're all in the little rat race trying to do our thing, and that's beautiful, man. We got to hustle. I'm up here doing my jumping jacks, squawking up a band, talking up a blue streak. Talking up a blue streak, squawking like a banshee over every little damn thing, trying to, you know, massage and cultivate that um, comedy podcasting performer lane that I've been rocking with, you know? But every now and then, you know, I, I like to be my everyday person where it's like, you know, I'm just some douchebag playing bass guitar. I'm some weirdo listening to, listening to the birds chirp at three o'clock in the morning, you know? Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, but, you know, staring out a window at 3 a.m., listening to birds chirp. I mean, there's nothing particularly strange about that. It's just my life, right? So these are the things that, like, keep me chilled out. So, you know... Thought I'd add that as a little, I don't know, talking point. Um, It's important to have that quiet time, that chill time, that everyday time. Everyday person time, you know? I am everyday people, yeah. There is a little one who doesn't like the fat one for being with the weirdo. Doesn't like that mental patient. Different strokes for different folks. And so on and so on and scooby dooby dooby. Yeah. Coffee break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Gotta have my coffee. And as you may or may not know, 
If you are a returning guest to JR the P, you may or may not know. I am an actor extraordinaire. Performer of the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Um, and damn proud of it, you know what I mean? You go through um, a lot of heartache and blood, sweat, and tears trying to, you know, keep these plates, plates a-spinning. I mean, nobody gives a dog fuck about you, you know? No one, no one bending over backwards to make your career. Much like any career, you gotta go out there and get it for yourself, boy. Giddy up, girl, gone. Get it, you know? Saddle up, pony and ride. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. By order of the prophet. I got that You gotta rock the fucking Casbah, bitch. Shorty, if you like it. Ding, ding. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. I got that sound. Yeah. Rock that fucking Casbah, boy. And, um, you know, I've been thinking. I uh, I was watching a podcast. And, um. <laughs> by Jordan Peterson, you know, um, that's a real interesting thing when you, when you, uh, see the shadow self. The shadow self reflected into the nomenclature of our society is really transfigured and transposed through the spiritual of, um, uh, agricultural and anthropomorphic um, evolution, and it'll, you know, when he goes into them fucking fascinating, when he goes into them fucking speeches. Well, this guy was going off about Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, you know, he has a great speech on um, Pinocchio. I've been watching <laughs> a real boy, Pinocchio. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference. It's who you are, anything your heart desires will come to you. Yeah, take the straight and narrow path, and if you start to slide, get a little whistle. <whistles> Give a little whistle. <whistles> and always let your conscience be your guide. Not just a little squeeze, pucker up and blow. <whistles> if you're ever in trouble, yell, Jimmy Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Pinocchio, you know. I was watching Jordan Pearson's discussion about um the shadow self and uh, the 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 going into the depths of the ocean to rescue your father from the mouth of the whale and uh, you know the Pinocchio. Fascinating, right? I'm subscribed. I fucking fucking right on, brother. Keep on preaching. You know, great, great content, content, and a leader in these times, man. Definitely, um, Jordan Peterson. But um. I was watching his, like, fucking something like over a million views, man. Great video on Pinocchio. <laughs> and I guess the cultural relevance of that. And um, something he said, though, which was interesting, was um, he was talking about some of the characters in Pinocchio and their rapscallions and street people and how they reflect in times and with people. And he mentioned the actor and he said something about, um, not as a criticism, but just as like a, I guess, a, a story point or maybe just some metaphorical thing or other, thingamajiggy. I don't know the fucking psychiatric term. But he said something like, um, you know, the actor, 
represents a great falsity. Um, somebody trying to portray themselves as more than they are. Which got me thinking about perspectives, positive and negative, of the actor. Because that's a very interesting perspective of the actor. It's like um, a false person trying to portray themselves as something greater than they are. All the world's a stage and all men and women transgendered in-betweens are just merely players. All the world's a stage and all the men and women and people or whatever are merely players. That kind of idea. Everything's a gimmick. Everything's a production. You know, the false actor trying to portray a contrived egocentric glorification of themselves. The narcissistic rambler, you know, the actor, the ham. Very true. You know, we all reach out in different ways, right? I mean, but then again, I've seen a lot of people in business act the same way. Walking around with the Bluetooth headset. I'm making big deals, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, when they're just like breaking even. You ain't doing dick, buddy. Knock it off, fucking, you know, Warren Buffett. Give me a fucking break, you know? I'm a wheeling, dealing, fucking, yeah, hello? Who is this? Yep, um, okay, yep. Okay, we're, well, we're set to go live next Tuesday, and, um, yep. Uh, we're gonna go with ahead with that and okay the order and, um... I'll touch base with you, uh, manana, and, uh, you know, all is well. I give it the green light and, uh, talk to you later. Winning! You know, these fucking dickhead fucking business people, they think they're fucking something. Scientists think they're something. Didn't you see that? Portraying this false sense of themselves that are greater than what they are. Isn't it true that you're some dickhead in a lab? Doesn't know mumbo jumbo? You don't know diddly squat, buddy. All right? Cram it up your ass with this fucking blah, blah, blah. About every little damn thing, you know what I mean? As if science makes the world go round. God does that, alright? Shut up. You see it in science, you see it in business, you see it in, um... Everywhere, bro. Education, for sure, you know? I'm the teacher of the class. You don't like it? Go to the principal's office. Suffice to say, I spent many an hour in the principal's office. You know, them dickheads are fucking just as egocentric, narcissistic, false, phony, and um, self-aggrandizing as any actor I've ever met. All the world's a stage, and all men and William, women transgendered in-betweens are merely players, as uh, Shakespeare would say. So, yeah, you know, that's... That's perspective of the actor as a false person, self-aggrandizing, making themselves more important than they are. That's one perspective. But another perspective is the craft, the storytelling, the 
the tenacity and grit that it takes to carry a performance. I mean, you got to memorize lines, boy. You ever try to memorize lines, boy? You ever be watching a Shakespeare play? All the world's a stage and all men and women are merely players and spitting out a fucking monologue. Characterization, physicality. You know, some actors work from the inside out versus the outside in. Right? When you work from the inside out, it's, you know, you go over the lines and you try to come to some sort of conclusion of what the character is going through on the inside. Try to get that emotional inner life. Uh, and then you also have to be very in tuned, very um, like on point with your memorization. You have to have that thing memorized. That way it can come second nature to you. So it works in tandem with the emotional inner life. So, you know, you marry the text with the emotional inner life. It comes through you. And then that informs your physicality, the physical realities of the character. Some actors work from the inside out. Some actors work from actors. Some actors work from the outside in, meaning, um, okay, you read the script. Oh, no, my character lost his um, dick in a tragic uh, glory hole accident. Oh, no. Got his dick chopped off at a glory hole. Uh, that's my character, right? So he's got no dick. So how does that... Well, for me, that wouldn't be much of a stretch. You know, I wouldn't have to do too much research for that. But um, anyway, like um, for other actors, they might have to think like, Oh, well, what, what's it like to lose your dick? Or what, what, is the, what is the physical reality of being a dickless wonder? mean and how does that inform the inner life of my character you know that's working from the outside in the the physical attributes of a character inform the inner aspects of a character and then those are just some of the basic ideas involving craft of the actor then you go into things such as choices risks like um Another very interesting thing um, I heard recently in terms of that, choices and risk, um, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Who else could have played that part? Beautiful. And think of the choices he made and the risks he took. He went out there, above and beyond, bigger than life. He breathed life into that character. And from just some of the basic things I heard, I really don't know. But from the hearsay that I've heard, that script had been kicking around for a while. Nobody really knew what to do with it. And then once Jim got his whole, once Jim got his paws on it, he said something to the effect of, I'm going to talk this way. Oh, righty then. And, you know, the whole thing and the whole physicality of it. He was talking with the director. I'm going to make these choices. I'm going to take these risks. But that means i got to go all the way. Ain't no half-stepping. As my man Big Daddy Kane would say. You know? You just a butter knife. I'm a machete. You know? Yeah. <laughs> as Big Daddy Kane would say. So, you know, there ain't no half-stepping, boy. And uh, when you make them commitments to... to to make decisions and risks in a character. You got to carry that. 
you got to carry that throughout the entire performance. And that's like, that's the true grit and craft of an actor. And it's enjoyable and it's engaging and it, it brings humor. It brings personal revelation. Like, I mean, think of all the performances that touch people. Um, coming to mind, Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote plays that touched the gamut, sp- covered the whole spread of human experience. Love, laughter, war, revenge, treason, jealousy, um, romance, the whole wackadoo, you know? So these are the things that an actor does in craft that that goes, hopefully goes, beyond the falsity of a narcissistic person trying to self-aggrandize themselves to be more than they are. I mean, sure, there are a lot of dickhead dildos that do that. I mean, fuck, I've been there myself. I remember times when I was kind of swept up in the idea of being an actor and loving myself in that role. But the more I go along with it, I'm really, and have always really been, mainly about the craft. And it's a real lovely thing to do, you know? You know, when you get a good role and you, you do a play and you, you, you express these things, it's really engaging stuff. It really is cool. And... um you know, that, that's some perspective for me, positive and negative, about acting. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramsaran, actor extraordinaire. Yeah, I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. And I'm going to keep it brief. Everything I said about uh, the acting, schmacting stuff applies to stand-up as well. The negative positive aspect. Okay, is a comic just a false person parading on a stage, self-aggrandizing, narcissistic, with a bravado that is greater than themselves? Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, I ain't one of them comics that are like, whenever I walk into a room and I see a comedian, I glom onto them. Thank God a comedian. My people, they get me. I love comedians. I love comedians. Save it, buddy. All right? It's a fucking business. Them dickheads are just as fucking crazy as any fucking politician, fucking, you know, industrialist, industrialist I've ever fucking meant. Some of the shit you hear about comedians, it's true. Fucking basket cases. All right? I've dealt with them to dog dick death, you know? And um, you would like to question that? You can, that's your uh, due diligence. You're right. But um, one thing I could say for myself... Going forward in my career, I'm very happy that I have the experience that I have. You know, I've done a special, I've done promotion of my own shows, stand-up comedy shows, a little bit of club work, a lot of um, independent work, bar gigs, uh, independent shows, and, um, you know, got a wealth of knowledge. Um, I've yet to peek over the edge, or I guess reach the summit, Um, I've yet to kind of 
hit some, uh, I guess, financial and worldly status um, areas. You know what I mean? But I could speak about the independent comic quite a bit. I could speak about um, the training of a comic, the, I guess, the cultivation, the up, the, uh, what do you call it, the come up. I could talk about that in depth. Can't sit here and claim to be a pro and give you all pro tips or whatever, but when it comes to the actual craft of comedy, doing comedy, getting up there, and just doing the damn thing, I could talk about it. Just as if you see somebody strumming the guitar and they obviously know how to play guitar, they might not be fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan. They might not be fucking John Lennon, but they can obviously play guitar. Same thing with me. I mean, I might not be fucking, you know, you know, George Burns, but, you know, I ain't no Bob Hope, but I know how to do the damn thing of comedy, all right? So it's the same thing. A lot of comics are like, you know, braggadocious, babblemouth, narcissists, self-aggrandizing, trying to portray themselves as more than they are, for sure. But again, as I mentioned in the acting stuff, there's a craft. So it's like, you know, writing jokes, stage presence, stage performance, bits, act-outs, chunks, puns, um, hangovers, Drug addiction problems, personal crises, you know, relationship problems, mental health issues, you know, the whole fucking whack, wackadoo, the whole gamut, the whole enchilada, folks. There's a lot in the craft. And when you get that comic that's just spinning, fuck is it mesmerizing. When they just capture an audience and turn them the fuck out, beat them. Beat them, beat them, and the laughter is rolling. What a fun experience. What a great enjoyment of craft. And on the same token, when you got comics that are just, you know, dripped in narcissism, it may not be the greatest. But then again, it could be. You know, it's like, uh, it's all beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and art is subjective. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Well, that about does it for another episode of JR the P. I certainly enjoyed being here with you this evening, afternoon, folks. And um, I certainly um, have many interesting things in store moving forward. Thank you very much for your viewership, folks. All the best to you. Till next time, hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who, Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent May, oh, June, June, June 1st, 2022. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out? Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks, you live it, you love it, you realize it, aight? Peace. <laughs>